Oh, boy, here we go for the Monday show. Time to strap it up, strap it in, stretch his back, bitches. I may be hacking a little here and there, still chopping up that crap I had last week in me, but I am feeling 100% better, and I am here to bring you to the promised land, which is motocross this weekend in Detroit, where the Big 49 will be broadcasting live right here on the box two hours before the gate drops. You can join us for the pre-race coverage, even though I'm going to get into this later in the show. That There was the... the the Moto Show got hijacked yesterday by Demon. Let's be honest. I got to go into this. It's a whole issue. And, and then everyone got weird and it got crazy. I got to tell you, me being in the studio with the guys, because typically I am at the Big 49 West Studios, which are at my house, and I was unable to do that. And I, I was in the studio with them, and I brought gifts, and people did not appreciate my gifts. It created a whole controversy, and everybody got uppity and pissy, and everybody was fighting. It was a nasty show. Uh, good news for you, though. It is a vlog, and you can see the whole damn thing. Uh, you know what you'll never see? You'll never see the thing. You'll never see the box. We never brought it in because everybody freaked out so bad. Bunch of vaginas. Had this thing in my house for six years, and everything was fine until yesterday. So anyway, let, let's get into this. We'll... We'll crack that nut after. Let's get into our moto talk. Shout out to my friend Cooper Webb, Mr. Cooper F and Webb, red plate holder in the 450 division of the Supercross, and he snatched that away from Eli Tomac, who had a really off night in Indianapolis on Saturday. Cooper finishes third, gets on the podium. So we're gonna talk to him. I know the bigger story, which is sad because. Dude, you just got the red plate. That should be the biggest news in Supercross and the entire sport. That's what it's all about, having the championship lead. But Kenny Roxon took a Suzuki to the top of the podium and absolutely obliterated Cooper Webb's shine. And you'll hear in a moto minute today, there's beef between those two. Those two do not like each other. I found out why. I, I just thought it was racing and jealousy and whatever from here and there. When one has a championship, the other doesn't. One's got two championships and the red plate right now, and the other has none. But there's a whole beef that goes way back that I had no idea about that I literally discovered at the press conference from online trolls. That's how I discovered that. So that's a Moto Minute, and that's a whole story. But I love Cooper Webb. He's nothing but cool to us. And we have got him coming up here in moments on the show. Going to run him at the start of the show, then we'll run him again at the end of the show. Cooper Webb, Red Bull KTM athlete and red plate holder of the 450 division in your Supercross heading into next week in Detroit. So that is all good news. Now, I've got the box to talk about. I've got other stupid stories that I, I do because that's what I do is talk stupid, nonsensical babble. But I got a really good UFO story. And I also need to address, it kind of looks like we failed and pushing Dean Wilson into the top 10. But I tell you, I don't control the universe. I just know what we need to do to make it work in our favor. And sometimes there's parallel results. Like here we were all pushing for Dean to get in the top 10. Well, he's number nine in championship points, but we want him to get in the top 10 in the race. He did not. And I, I feel we failed. So what I'm gonna do is resume this effort. And all week, I want you, all week when you think Supercross, Dean Wilson's getting in the top 10 in Detroit. We're not going to stop. We're going to make this happen. We're going to will this to happen. I think what happened is the good luck charm of the Big 49, we did an ambush call on Kenny Roxon during the races on Saturday, which you can hear 
on the Moto Vlog, which is at thebig49.com. You can watch the live video of that show. And as you go watch that, you'll see we talked to Kenny, and I think that was before the main event. Our good mojo went straight to Kenny, and then Kenny gets the overall win. I'm going to tell you that's what happened. Like, we, we, miss, we misfired. So we got to refocus this weekend and put all of our big 49. You know what I need to do? If anybody knows Dean Wilson, we've met Dino a bunch of times. We encounter him at race stuff, but I don't, like, have his phone number or anything. Dean Wilson needs to talk to the big 49 this week, and we will fix that top 10 problem. That is a guarantee. But in the meantime, we'll keep sending positive vibes his way. So coming up next, let's talk to Cooper Webb, and then I'm going to address the demon in the room, literally, thanks to Bookie Kyle. We'll talk about this, and then we'll 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 get back into it. I got a great UFO story after that. So all of that coming up here. It's a Monday on the Stretch Show at Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Looking at Saturday night from Eli Tomac's perspective, it was not ideal. Eli lost the red plate, did not get on the podium, did not look good all night. But here's the good news. He's only one point down in the championship hunt, which means all he has to do is finish at least one spot ahead of Cooper Webb next week. And it doesn't matter if it's at the top of the box or below. No matter what, if he finishes one point ahead, he is at least tied with Cooper for the championship point. And if he finishes, you know, high up on the podium, he's going to retake the red plate. So things don't look so bad for Eli Tomac, even though he had quite a terrible night there in Indianapolis, and it did not look good for him on that choppy track. So... Cooper Webb, your champ right now by one point. Eli Tomac sitting back in second. Chase Sexton has now dropped to 12 points off the lead and is starting to fade in his championship hopes. Jason Anderson didn't do himself any favors. In fact, Kenny Roxon now closed the gap on him. And at four and five, they're sitting just two points away from each other. Also, Justin Barsha moving up a little notch in the championship points as well with his second place finish on Saturday night. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming. Coming up one hour from now, Big 49, it is the Stretch Show, and right now we are sitting down with the owner of the Red Plate and the 450 class, and this is not Eli Tomac. For the first time this season, it belongs to another rider. His name is Cooper Webb from that Red Bull KTM team, and Coop, you got the Red Plate. You didn't get the victory tonight, so you're still on the podium with a third-place finish overall, and at some point during that race, did your uh, pit crew tell you, like, hey, you got it, you got it in the bag, red plate's yours, and then you no longer were pushing for the win, and you were just, you know, trying to protect what you had and get on the podium and get the points you had to walk away with the red plate? Or did you even know what their predicament was, and you were just riding as hard as you could, and, and what happened, happened? Yeah, I knew. Obviously, right, Chase crashed right in front of me, so okay. I saw that, and he was laying there a while. I, I didn't know he got back up. I thought he was actually done for the night. Okay. Um, but I saw like lap two where Eli was and right. I was pulling away and he wasn't moving forward. So, right. you know, those are the guys that are right now I, I need to be in front of. But like you said, I think I felt like Justin had the pace on me and yeah. um, I honestly just wanted to learn from him and kind of see where he was getting me. So, okay. um, you know, he got around me and then was able to latch on. I feel like I had some better spots and then he was really good in those whoops. So. Um, we, we actually had a strong pace, all three of us there, all the way to the end. And then, like yeah. I said, I made a mistake 
uh, tucked the front, ran off the track, and yeah. he made that final charge. But uh, I felt felt like we were keeping each other honest. But it's tough, you know, when yeah. and that's in the back of your mind. And um, but overall, you know, live and learn from those those okay. um, things. And we're going to be tight for the rest of the year, so it's going to be important to push forward. All right, now Cooper, you got the red plate, which is really all that matters. You're in control of the championship. Uh, right now as it goes forward but you don't get the win so coming in in uh, third place and being on the podium but not getting the overall win yet getting the red plate does that you know like tarnish it at all for you or is it you know this is the greatest night ever i got the red plate let's go celebrate yeah for sure i mean to <clears throat> get the red plate's a great accomplishment yeah um obviously still tight but uh it's a great night for for the overall points battle but a little disappointed you know i felt like yeah. i was in the mix and um you know, didn't didn't execute. Um, so yeah, you know, a little bump, but overall, it's definitely a long long season. And um, like everyone keeps saying, the track was so tough that it yeah. was one of those like risk versus reward, and you could easily make mistakes. So you had to be very technically on it yeah. tonight. And um, just yeah, kind of left lost a bit there at the end, but overall, like you said. Uh, We'll take it and move on to the next. I say we'll take it. It's a damn good night, Coop. It's absolutely an awesome night to get the red plate. And I know it's got to feel weird, though, because I know how you're driven and you probably wanted to get that win, but not getting the win has got to be a little weird, right? Yeah, I think it's it's tough when without seeing it on there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like you said, I think it was a good night for that. And yeah. um, it was a weird, you know, it's a weird emotion because, like I said, I feel like I got my ass kicked, um, <laughs> but then we, we got the red plate. So that's yeah. always a, a great feeling, and uh, it's a good time to get it. You know, I feel like I, I've always been strong at this point in the year. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited. going to be a battle, and uh, we'll hopefully keep it for the rest of the year. All right, Coop. Now, going into tonight, it was a three-dog race with you, uh, Eli, and Chase all kind of bunched up there. Chase may have torpedoed his chances <clears throat> you know, with the uh, crash tonight and falling pretty far behind. I think you're now only up on Eli by one point, so that that is still there. But we are heading to, to a part of the season that I would say are very Cooper Webb-friendly tracks, much like tonight I saw as a Cooper track. Like, this is the kind of stuff that you really thrive in. So do you anticipate it being a three-man race, or is it maybe you and Eli, it's time for you guys to pull away? Or can you just run off with this right now? What do you think moving forward with the championship points? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it was a lot of mistakes from from those two yeah. for sure tonight. So um, you could tell Eli wasn't really gelling. And yeah. um, to be fair, I, I didn't really throughout practice, but I felt pretty good in the main. So okay. definitely takes it as motivation. I think it's always better to be first in points than, than anywhere <laughs> yes, else. So we'll, we'll keep the ball rolling. And like you said, I think we're going to go back to some tighter, readier technical tracks that I, yeah. I feel like I have some, some good good tendencies on. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely want to use it as motivation back on the podium, keeping okay. keeping the points high and consistent. Um, but in the moment, like I said, you're a racer and, and you want to win the battles when yeah. you're in it. So um, we'll, we'll just keep it going. Though. All right, let's talk about this, Coop. Last year, you took the motocross season off. You did not have a great Supercross season. Was there at any points when you start to doubt yourself or you start to think, man, am, am I... You know, am I losing it? Like, what's going on with me? Or did you know that you were going to get that summer off and you were going to come back refreshed like you are now and be back in contention and, in fact, to have the red plate this season? Yeah, during Supercross last year, there was definitely points where you, you doubt yourself, and okay. I think that's just sport in general. Um, yeah. This summer, though, helped. You know, I, I, I definitely enjoyed myself, and um, yeah. 
did a lot of research to uh, get some things sorted out that I felt like I needed. So I I felt like coming into the boot camp, I was as motivated as ever, um, fresh as ever, and was going to do whatever it took to to get back into this position. So I think when I look back at last year, it is crazy to think how much a year can be different. But uh, in my mind, I, I knew I could be up here and wanted to be up here and uh, want to be in this position so yeah definitely uh, got to appreciate it a little more but uh we're you know right now it's tunnel vision and you just want to want to keep succeeding all right tonight up on the podium coop all three of you guys all up there with your families everyone had their children up there what, what do you think that means like to have your daughter up on the stage with you and what kind of an example you know it sets for your daughter moving forward obviously she's a baby she's not going to remember it but there's definitely some some memory bonding going on here uh, for you bringing up your, your your kid onto the stage when you get up here, especially on a night where you take the red plate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely a cool feeling, I guess. Um, yeah. You you want to teach teach good morals and, and good things for for me. It's tough because, like I said, yeah. you're, you're just always. I feel like for all of us, we're so focused on race day uh, at the job at hand, and then you do get to unwind it with your family afterwards and at the podium and stuff. So. Yeah. It's definitely cool being a, a, a father, and um, yeah. I think you, when you do have a kid, you kind of doubt, like, man, I don't know if, if I'm going to have that same <laughs> motivation or that same yeah. risk factor, and uh, for me, none of that's changed, so it's definitely a cool thing, and yeah, you teach them work hard, and you'll get, get good things in life. Awesome. Uh, Cooper, I know you're not 100% thrilled with tonight. I know you've got to be stoked having the red plate, but you didn't get to the top of the podium, and I know that's where you always want to be. So next week we're heading up to Detroit. What's your plan for changing things up or dialing it in? What's practice going to look like this week? Walk us through uh, your prep for next weekend in Detroit. Uh, I think we'll stick to the plan mainly. Uh, I think tonight was just – I struggled all day. it was one of those tracks that was, it was just super difficult um, and, yeah, just kind of struggled. So I think we'll stick to the plan, keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm in a good spot right. and um, more just mentally, you know, work on, on the things that that I need to to, to go down the stretch. So, yeah. yeah, we'll keep doing the same thing. My starts have been good. Keep working on some speed and help that qualifying heat race, and uh, I think that'll – put us in a better position for the main events. All right, Coop, congratulations on getting the red plate and on a hard-fought battle tonight, getting onto the podium and and just looking like a champ out there. So congratulations. Go celebrate with your team and your family, and we will catch up with you again next week, I got a feeling, when we head into Detroit. Best of luck to you there as well. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Once again, shout out to my friend uh, Cooper Webb and congratulations on snatching that red plate from Eli Tomac on Saturday in Indy. Gotta buy a point, man. It's gonna get gnarly. But right now, let's talk about the sidebar that sort of just took over dominance of the radio show on Saturday. And and that's my fault. I'm, I'm gonna take a little responsibility here. It's a little bit my fault. So here's what happened. Years and years ago, like now more than six years ago, because I've been away from drug and alcohol treatment for a very long time and I've been working security and the big 49 it's paralleled for the last three years and here I am I'm working in a a drug rehab and, and I don't know what it is but I know a lot about paranormal and I'm really into it now once upon a time every rehab I worked in was haunted and I began to equate from my knowledge of the paranormal. If you ever go to hospitals, are always haunted. Um, prisons are always haunted. 
any place where people die, and believe me, people die in rehabs a lot. Um, any place where people die and there's a lot of emotional energy tends to be haunted. And I, I've yet to know, and I have many friends that worked at other rehabs, and it's very, very common for drug and alcohol treatment centers to be haunted. Very common. Very common for mental hospitals to be haunted. And remember, most rehabs are also mental health facilities on top of drug addiction and alcohol treatment facilities. And, and both the ones that I worked at were that. So, the one I worked at, both of them were haunted. One was haunted as F. I haunted as F. And so, I, I being a real paranormal buff, I really liked working there. And I worked the overnight shift, and I had many, many, many encounters. And I've got tons of videos on my phone that I can't release or they'll sue the piss out of me. Because the last thing you want is when you got people going there for uh, treatment and mental health that see ghosts and then think they're crazy. And then, by the way, you're telling them, no, there's no such thing as ghosts because you're not trying to scare your business away. Like, I understand that. I've never divulged where I worked. I divulged where I worked at Promises, but that's been out of business for years. And that company is now defunct, so I can say that. The other one I would never talk about. They're still going, and it's a great place, and they help a lot of people. And I would never blow that up. And I, and I respect the process, and I respect the people in the program. So I would never blow that up. But I would, in my vast knowledge of ghostly encounters know someone who knows a witch who knows how to bind a spirit a bad spirit into something and basically lock it in a box if you're familiar at all with a dybbuk box which is a jewish thing the same thing but with a a uh latin witch as opposed to anything else so there was bad stuff in that place and there were spirits everywhere um, uh, i had a psychic tell me that place had a portal in it and there was many spirits and from the things I witnessed there I believe it it was way more than one but there was a bad one there and so oh god how do you how do you so there's a possibility that I got this witch to come through one night on my duty I said duty and possibly bind a spirit into a, a weird looking jar and then into a box I didn't have the specifics that was all the witch is doing I just said I need this spirit out of here how do you do it they said it's in this box whatever you do don't open the box don't break the box don't burn the box or you'll release it just keep it in this box and you're fine so I had it and then I was gonna mail it to my buddy who's really paranoid in New York was my plan and I just never got around to it and then it got moved around in my house and I honest to God forgot I had it so hence back a few weeks ago when I pull it out and I realize, oh crap, I still got that demon box. It, probably not a demon. Probably not a demon. I don't know. If it is a demon, I don't want to know. And I damn sure don't want it to know me now that I had it trapped in a box for the last six years. Understand? So I thought, I'm going to give it to my friend. Well, then I decided it would be a good conversation piece for the radio station as long as everyone respects the power of what is there and doesn't F with it. Don't open it and everything will be fine. So over the weekend, uh, during cleaning up my house, I found the, the, the demon box. And I also found that there was a, a, a life-size dancing, talking Homer Simpson statue that I had. And I'm like, I'm bringing that to the radio station. That thing's cool as hell. And my wife will let me have it in the house because she is the queen of, of no fun. And I want to have fun. So I take it and I go. And I take Homer and the ghost to the radio station on Saturday. 
Well, I walk there and Moto Man has a conniption and doesn't want the ghost box even in the door because there was a problem during betting one time. There was some voodoo thrown possibly by me and a, re a lot of really bad crap started happening around the, the radio station. Like we went off the air, the power company cut our power, the cable company cut our cable, um, the plumbing exploded. Like everything that could go wrong happened at the radio station in, in a few month period. We cleansed that, we got that all wiped away and everything was good and I promised not to do any more voodoo-y stuff there. So then, I Moto has a meltdown because he often stays and sleeps and lives right at the radio station more times than not. And um, then that's I'm fine with that. I, I like somebody being at the radio station. It keeps it safe. So here we are. And Moto has a conniption. I don't want it in here. I'm here all the time. F you, you're never here. Blah, 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 blah. So Moto and I have this big argument. About that time, Kyle and Jason pull up. And I remember Kyle making fun of the demon box on social media when I posted a photo of it when I first came back across it a, a little while ago. And I said, oh yeah, that's going under your truck like Colombian Bam Bam now. So I said, that's fine. I'll just tape it under Kyle's truck. And Moto's like, that's fine. It's not coming in the radio station. I'm like, all right, cool. So Kyle's there and I'm like, here's the demon box. And now Kyle's like, wow, that's a real box. It was fun and games until the box is staring you in the face. Well, at that point, we're now late for the show. We got Homer. We got a, we're hanging Homer from the rafters of the studio, not by the neck, but like he's flying. So we go inside and do that, and I set the box on Kyle's truck, and I go inside. Well, Kyle doesn't forget it's there. Next thing you know, everyone's bickering in the studio, and when we come back outside, the box is not on Kyle's truck anymore. It's now flipped off the side into the bed and there was no wind it, 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 I don't know what happened I can tell you this I don't know if a bird landed on it and knocked it in I, it wasn't balanced there delicately it was set against the cab on the top of the of the bed and it was now inside and there was these weird protective bead things that the witch put on and said don't take any of this off this binds it da, da, da. And, and, and by the way I had a, a witch that spoke Spanish only that I was getting a translator telling me what to do and what not to do so my understanding was don't have for this box, put it somewhere safe and you're fine. Just keep it there, just you're fine. So that's what I was gonna do. Well, the box falls into Kyle's truck, one of the beads comes off, everybody's in the studio fighting. Uh, Jason and Kyle are arguing. We're all messing with Kyle and Kyle's getting really, really mad. And then I have this great idea. Hey, during the Moto Show, whoever loses the picks today has to take the box home, is now the caretaker of the box. And I'm winning, by the way. I'm winning big. I, I'm on a roll. I That was all the motivation I needed to get kicking ass because I didn't want to bring that damn ghost back to my house or demon or whatever it is. So that being said, Moto and Kyle tied. Kyle has a knip shit that he doesn't want to bring it home and starts getting all aggro. And Moto's like, fine, it's not staying here. And I'm like, well, I'm not taking it back. I won. F all of you. So we put it in the shop like the warehouse where all of our merchandise is, where all the beverages and stuff that we get, all the liquid death is, all that stuff in the warehouse and the t-shirts and posters and stickers and things like that. So it's in there right now as we iron this out. Moto's then is now, uh, he's messing with everyone going, there's, shop, there's noises coming out of the shop all night, but it's still in the box. I'm confident of that because I know, because I saw it put in the box, so it's, in a like a metallic jar with a screw-on lid 
whatever it was bound to is inside of that. Then there's this weird smoke that got feathered in there. The feather and the smoke went into the box. Then the box was closed. Then all these things were put on the outside of the box and then two candles were melted over the top of it to seal it. That's what I know. That's what I saw. I saw that happen. So everything appears to be still unopened. I just don't know what's going on or if it's a, if it can affect us. I don't, I, it's never affected me since it came to my house. But anyway, that was the sidebar. You could watch all of this unfold. And then everybody's, I was getting paranoid as hell too, because I know what's in there and I know what, what's in there can do. I've seen it with my own eyes and I don't know. I just don't know. So Kyle's flipping out. Kyle, seriously, uh, uh, our dudes from Violates Community Standards, VCS, they came out to the radio station on Sunday, and Kyle's like, give them the box. I'm like, Kyle, you're you're a devil. You can't give that to our friends. Kyle's like, well, you're going to give it to me, and I'm like, dude, can't give it to people that we like. I'll give it to any of you numbnutses. You guys can deal with it. Sure, if it gets out, you're going to be haunted. It'll be fine, though. It's not going to kill you. I promise you that. It killed me already if it could. It's not my house, and now it's been damaged. I don't want it back, so. Anyway, that's what's going on. That was the sidebar. You can watch that at TheBig49.com. That was the underlying theme as the entire show was kind of derailed in all moto talk with ghost talk and demon box. So, anyway, go check that out if, you, if you'd like. Fun stuff at TheBig49.com, the video vlog of the show. With me in the studio, with all of us in the studio, it was the first time all four of us have been in there ever since we've been videoing the show and doing the vlog. All right, let's get back to Moto Talk. No, I don't want to do Moto Talk yet. Let's get back to uh, one of my numbnut stories. How about UFOs? Because that makes me happy. I got a great UFO story that I'm waiting on the government to backpedal on. We'll get into this one next. It's the Big 4-9. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night, sitting in the press conference for Indianapolis. I'm watching the online, like, trolls go at it on the comment section as the press conference is rolling on. And you can see what fans are saying. And a lot of it is just troll stuff. They hate one rider. They love another rider. They want to talk smack about people. And I got to tell you, I saw a comment, and it said something about how much it looks like that Ken Roxon and Cooper Webb don't like each other. And then someone else commented, yeah, that's because Cooper is married to Ken Roxon's ex-fiance, to which I chalked up to more troll talk. And then I decided, hey, you know what? Let's look into that one because I didn't know that. I have not been Moto TMZ. I am not unaware of that situation. And then I Googled it and I found all kinds of videos on the YouTube that basically validate that is a true statement. I don't know if they were engaged, but Cooper Webb's current wife was at one point at least Ken Roxon's girlfriend. So you gotta wonder. These dudes really don't like each other. Trust me on that. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show. And it is time to get into one of my favorite topics. This is a doozer. I'm waiting on the Pentagon to walk this one back, man. This is going to be a really, really good UFO story moving forward. I don't know if you guys are aware that last week... Um, oh man, it's, it's, it seems too good to be true. Here's the story. It says there is a possibility that extraterrestrial motherships and smaller probes may be visiting planets in our solar system. The head of the Pentagon's unidentified aerial phenomenon research office <clears throat> noted in a report that was shared on Tuesday 
They say an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to Earth, an operational construct not too dissimilar from NASA missions. Remember, so we fly big, giant probes over planets, and we drop little probes to drop down the planets and do scientific stuff. Only if you're way more advanced than us, you could do it at a way larger scale. Uh, they say Sean Kirkpatrick, he's the director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, wrote in a research re uh, report that was co-authored by Abraham Loeb. Now, Loeb is the guy that kind of initially sprung this theory when there was a, he's a Harvard University uh, astronomer de department, but like head. He's the chairman of Har Harvard University's astronomy department. His name is Abraham Loeb, and he is a big deal. And the fact that a guy this high in academia is taking this stuff seriously and reporting on this is a very, very big deal and a very big change of direction in how the world treats UFOs. Well, Mr. Loeb is the guy that discovered what many people thought was like a giant asteroid. And they discovered it from the um, observatories in Hawaii, so they gave it a big, long Aumamamamua uh, is the name they gave it. And but that's the Hawaiian term for scout. And initially they thought, they saw this thing moving, thought it was a giant, giant, giant asteroid. But it was far away from us and it was heading towards the sun. Now, that means it's under the gravitational pull of the sun and it's basically going to be sucked into the sun to which it's going to be burned up before it gets there and it's going to be obliterated. Well, as they observed this thing, as it swung past our planet, it made a U-turn and then headed on out of our solar system, which fascinated people because everything we know about gravity and science and everything, physics, that's impossible unless it was a manned craft, unless it had intelligent command. Could it, it could not do that. A, a floating rock in space doesn't change direction and go, and this thing was massive. So that was a big deal. Well, now they have got a whole theory on this to where they're saying that could be like a mothership that would drop off smaller UFOs or UAPs that would come to other planets and observe and do scientific research, just like we would do to our nearby planets that we've been doing for as long as we've had the technology to do so. And the fact this is coming out of the Pentagon is a big, big, big deal. And they say with the proper design, these tiny probes would reach the Earth or other solar system planets for exploration as the parent craft passes by within a fraction of the Earth-Sun separation, just like Aumumumawa did. I can't even say that name. Sorry, Hawaii, my favorite place. I don't want to butcher your heritage. Uh, astronomers would not be able to notice the spray of mini probes because they do not reflect enough sunlight and they're not big enough that they would be able to pick them up with telescopes or even notice them. So when this thing came by and dumped its load of other UFOs, it's it's a fascinating theory. And that this theory is not only co-signed by uh, Professor Loeb, but is coming from a guy that is the chair of a department at the Pentagon, tells me this is what happens with these things. Someone gets very blunt about a theory or what they think has happened. They release it, and then higher-ups are like, whoa, 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 what the F are you doing? And then they backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Roswell, remember the initial reports of Roswell was that a flying saucer had crashed in the desert there, 
and then by the next day, it was a weather balloon. The area was sealed off. The military came in. Everything was gone. This top secret recovery of a effing weather balloon. Remember, that's the story on Roswell. That's the official story still 70-something years later. That's the way they look at Roswell. And that's how they always do these things. And then they would bring in scientists like uh, Project Blue Book, where they would get these guys to deliberately discredit things so that the people wouldn't panic, was their theory of it. So the fact that someone said that a giant mothership is flying in our galaxy, releasing probes that are monitoring all of the planets around us, that's going to be walked back. So it's very interesting to keep an eye on this story out of the Pentagon and see what happens. Great UFO story. Best UFO story maybe we've had all year. So keep an eye on this one. I'll let you know if I hear anything on it or I hear any backpedaling. I'm Stretch. This the Big 49. That's my man, James Brown. All right, let's get into this story. So, brother James Brown, my friend, rest in peace, Mr. Brown. All right, let's get into this story. This is a doozer. Gonna make you say, what the F? So, a Senate Intelligence Committee hearing last week found out, remember the FBI is the devil. I, we should send the demon box to the FBI headquarters. Moto, package that up. That's not terrorism or anything. Is As long as it's not illegal, we could send them a box with a demon inside. I'm fine with that. Uh, because they are the devil. And they do not work for the United States, uh, the citizens of the United States. They now work for certain powers within the United States government to try to keep them in power, try to discredit people, and to try to disrupt order in the United States. Is my personal opinion of what the FBI is now. And this following story will submit that even more with me. FBI Director Christopher Wray confirmed for the first time that the agency in the past, you know they used to have to get wiretaps and things like that, you'd have to get warrants to do any of that stuff? Well, they stopped doing that because they just started buying all the personal data on people. And guess where they get it? Phone company providers, social media companies, they buy it. And they sell it to anybody that wants it. Hostile foreign governments, anybody. FBI, which is a hostile foreign government in my opinion. They say advocacy groups are freaked out by this. They say the FBI purchases US phone geolocation information. Uh, the FBI director's response tiptoed around the question, but provided a rare insight into how the FBI has used location data to surveil Americans without any sort of court oversight because they just buy it from third-party people. And I'll tell you this, you do a lot of the spying on yourself. Your smartphone is the biggest spying tool you've got. It knows where you've been, where you go, how many times you've been there, how long you spent there, what's happening, that thing tracks you. And before they would have to go to the phone companies and they'd have to have a warrant they could get that information. But then again, the greedy bastard phone companies sell all that information and the FBI's been buying it like mofos, tracking people without having to legally get a search warrant. Well, no, this was information that was readily available to us, sir. Why would we get a search warrant? Well, I'll tell you why you get a search warrant because it's illegal for you not to have one, you MFers, when you're tracking American citizens. He then went on to say, to my knowledge, we do not currently purchase commercial databases information that includes location data derived from internet advertising. I would be social media at that point. 
I understand that we previously in the past purchased some such information for specific national security pilot project, but that's uh, not been active for some time. So they bought it from the phone companies. They bought it from social media and websites. They say Americans are protected against unreasonable search uh, under the Fourth Amendment, and the Supreme Court has said that government agencies accessing location data without a warrant could be considered in violation of our Fourth Amendment rights, and privacy advocates like the Electronic Frontier Foundation have continually found evidence that the FBI have relied on legal loopholes to continue purchasing location data on American citizens without warrants. By the way, if the FBI suspects that you're a bad person and they can go to the courts and say, I think this is a bad guy, here's our data, and they get a warrant, I got no problem with that. FBI having all my information just for the F F of it because they bought it, I don't like. Yeah. During the hearing, uh, Director Ray said that the FBI does not currently purchase the location data, and they have no plans to change that right now because we don't really need it. We're not working on anything. The FBI has a court-authorized process for seizing data, which may or may not be easier than obtaining a warrant. So they can do that too. They can also go to those companies and seize their data without getting a warrant. And then once they have that data, they can do what they want with it. He also didn't specify how that process works. There you go. And there's a lot of privacy advocates and attorneys who are freaking out right now. And they are asking the intelligence agencies to please be transparent. And this is something that they have absolutely failed at. Yeah. So there you go. Get ready. The FBI is going to hose you and they don't even need a warrant to do it. That's the bottom line here. Make you feel good. Shout out to the social media companies. Shout out to Meta, you devil. Shout out to Google, you big giant devil. Elon Musk is the only guy being transparent in this whole game, and he's also the guy getting all the heat that all of the freaking lefty libtards are trying to run out of business and trying to screw over and trying to get people off the platform and migrating from his platform. He's the only guy being transparent. He's the only guy calling out the government for being inside of those operations, spying on people and leaning on those operations to censor American people and their freaking opinions and views are being censored if the FBI hasn't agreed with them. It's all been brought to light by Elon Musk. Now we find out these a-holes have just been buying the information from these same companies and spying on us. What the F? All these social media companies are the devil and so is the FBI. And so is that box that's in Kyle's truck. I hope it escaped in Kyle's truck and not at the radio station. Just saying. I'm Stretch. Coming up next, I'm make my house self happy. I'm gonna talk a story about a dog. A badass dog. That's why you have a dog. Talk about this story next. It's the Big 49. Big 49, it's a stretch show. And let's talk about this one, peoples. A good story. Ah, boy. I'm gonna do some weird stuff here in a minute. I'm gonna tell you about. Um, this happened in South Africa. Guy has a pet Rottweiler. And he says he noticed last week once he came home from work, he likes to plop down on his couch and watch television. And his dog became, like, aggressive and, and, and wouldn't let him sit on the couch. The dog kept pushing him away from the couch. Every time the guy would go over to the couch and sit on the couch, the dog would, like, get between him and the couch and literally steer him away. He said he ended up sitting in a chair. 
He goes, he noticed that that was going on for a couple days. And he's like, fine, I'll sit in the chair. So he plops down the chair, watches TV, thinks nothing of it. And then the next day he comes home and the dog is now barking at the couch. So he's like, what the hell is going on with this dog and this couch? So he pulls the couch back and voila, behind the couch now, revealed on the floor, is a black mamba, the most poisonous snake in the world. And the Rottweiler immediately goes to pounce on it because that's its job. It was there to warn him and protect him and now to kill that threat to its its home. And the guy luckily grabbed the dog before the dog got close enough to the snake to get bit. And then he they ran out of the room, they locked the door, and they called a, a person to come in and take the mamba away. Hopefully to kill the mamba. They didn't want to mess with it. You probably don't want to mess with the most poisonous snake in the world. That bites you, you're dead. So they don't want to mess with that. But it was crazy that this dude, his dog basically saved his life. And the dog, for it was in that house for probably two days now that he looks back on it. Because the dog wouldn't let him near the couch and the dog knew it was there. And it crawled into the house, got in the house, and then went into the couch up underneath. And he was afraid, I think of his owner said on it, that it, he would be attacked by this thing. And the dog was doing his best to protect the owner. Now that's why dogs are better than people. Also the fact that dog was about to die. I don't think they know they're going to die, but they... they they got no Fs to give. They will protect you no matter what, and they're going in hard. So, I love dogs. All right, I'm going to do something really, really weird here. I have ran out of time in my life because I have no time. Uh, the time change screwed me up. I had to get extra sleep, and now I ran out of time in doing the show today. So, I'm going to best of a couple of segments of the show, and then I'll, I'll come back, and then we'll, we'll have the Cooper Webb at the last hour will be all new. That'll be the Cooper Webb interview, and then I'll say goodbye. But other than that, there's a couple stories I'm going to drop in here that are just going to be randoms out of nowhere. I'm going to pull them in, drop them in, and you're going to get what I give you. Because, well, sucks to be stretched. Also, I'm going to probably replay a entertainment report. Nah, I blow. I got to go to work, though, and I'm going to be late, and they frown upon that. It's the Big 49. Ah, Big 49. I'm powering through, man. I'm trying my best today. I sound like crap. I know it sucks when there's somebody on the radio. You're like, why do they sound so weird? Because I'm sick. I hate being sick. But I got to do what I got to do. So I'm going to get through the show and I'm going to go to work. I'm not going to miss a day. That is my promise at this point. I could take a rapid downhill spiral and be full of crap. Wouldn't be the third time in my life. Right now we're going to tell you a story about a fine young cannibal. This guy is a Brazilian. His name is Megolia Mendez Fernandez. He's 26 years old. He was taken into custody in an airport in Portugal. So here's the deal. The guy's a Brazilian taken into custody in Portugal for a crime he committed in Amsterdam. They say in Amsterdam, they think he killed a 21-year-old man by the name of Alan Lopes the day before they arrested him in Portugal. And by the way, when they arrested this guy in Portugal, he's in the airport. He had fake documents. They weren't his. And he's now being held by the Portuguese Borders and Immigration Services. They initially detained him on suspicion of carrying forged documents, including an Italian identity card and other paperwork bearing a name different than his own. And then he came from the Netherlands, so they called the Netherlands. And this is where the guy lives. So we've got, boy, this gets complicated. A Brazilian guy arrested in Portugal for a crime he committed in the Netherlands 
while carrying fake Italian passports. You get it? <laughs> but here's the best part. When they stopped him for the fake documents, they searched him. You know, all right, now we think you're a criminal. We got to see what you're carrying. And in his luggage, they found chunks and chunks of meat with bloody clothing inside. They believe that meat to be that of 21-year-old Alan Lopes. Yeah, they believe this dude's a cannibal. And this guy killed and ate this dude who was friends with him. They say the guy was homeless in the Netherlands and uh, Lopes would let him stay with him every now and then when he needed a place to stay. And they found Lopes um, dismembered in partially eaten body day before this guy bounced out of the Netherlands and headed to Portugal with fake documents. And now they're testing the meat in his uh, suitcase to see if it does indeed belong to a human being. Yeah, they say uh, they believe Fernandez has engaged in cannibal practices. The 26-year-old, they went to his Facebook page, described himself as 2% genius, 98% crazy. He's already made his initial court uh, appearance there in Lisbon, Portugal, where he will remain in custody until he is extradited to the Netherlands to face murder charges. Lopes, on the other hand, they found him dead Sunday night in a house in Amsterdam that he shared with his mother and sister. The victim's sister says Fernandez was the homeless guy that uh, her brother would let stay there sometimes. Now, they found the cannibal's mom, and she's like, oh, no, no, this was self-defense. She says, according to her son, who she's talked to, apparently, that her son was having dinner with the victim when Lopes offered him human flesh to eat and also showed him videos about cannibalism. Then she says that uh, Mr. Lopes tried to kill him and it was self-defense and that he only took the human meat with him so that he could show the authorities, uh, yeah, this is what he had when I when I killed him. Problem is, uh, you fled the country with fake documents after. So I'm going to go ahead and say your mom's got a bad story. You fed your mom a line of crap and it's your mom, so she's supposed to believe you. Yeah, sorry, mom, your kid's a cannibal. A Brazilian cannibal. Sounds like a fun time right there. All right, I got to get out of here. Try to get better. Go drink some tea, blow my nose, drink some more Tussin. See what I can do. Coming up here in the final hour, we're going to have Danger Boy Deacon if you missed it. And then I'm going to wrap it up. So sit tight, bitches. We'll be back with the Danger Boy in a little while. This is the Big 4-9. Big, 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 the Big 49 Moto Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Over the weekend, there was also racing in the MXGP, and here's one thing that I think that the MXGP does better than the Supercross and the Motocross here in America is they branch out and truly are a worldwide product. The race this weekend was in Argentina. Now, this is a European racing league that races most of the time down all throughout Europe, all over Europe, but they do. They head into Southeast Asia, they have a race there, and they also race right there in South America this year in Argentina. 
Argentina, which was really cool. Shout out to the winner this weekend in Argentina, Ruben Fernandez. He got it done on that HRC Honda on his first race on that bike, so that should be a really exciting year for him. But also, shout out to MXGP for being such a worldwide global uh, motocross racing platform. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's a Stretch show here on a Monday. Time to talk about cocaine. Slinging cocaine. Boy, I gotta tell you, somebody's gonna be in trouble. This happened down in Australia's international drug smuggling cocaine ring by the Mexican drug cartel. Listen to this. Mexican drug cartel made an attempt to deliver 2.4 tons of cocaine. 2.4 tons, say a estimated street value of $1 billion. And it all got pinched by the popo. Cocaine. This is a massive amount of cocaine. They say, here's what's crazy though, in the story, they say this one drug bust represents half of what they think is in Australia on the annual. So they do $2 billion worth of blow a year in Australia's? Even though I have to look at uh, my business model here, the authorities either are bad at math in Australia's or something because they say we're looking at $250 to $400 a kilo for cocaine. That's not very good. That's what uh, eight ball used to cost back in the day. Back when Rick Ross was slinging cocaine, doing the yayo. They were getting $250 for an eight ball, let alone a kilo. But then again, when you're bringing in 2.4 tons, maybe that's the wholesale price of cocaine. I don't know. So here's what happened, though. This story goes way back. It just happened there in Western Australia. Police confirmed that they, under cover of darkness, took down a sophisticated sting on a Mexican drug cartel eyeing Australian market. And they had gone out to an area, a remote area, and they basically just dumped kilos and kilos and kilos of cocaine, enough to total 2.4 tons of coke. They dumped it in the ocean. But what they don't know, the guys that were dropping it off, I think maybe they're gonna be free because, well, it wasn't cocaine, no. The cartels, they, they got caught way back in November. The popos were onto them. So the popo took the, all the cocaine, the 2.4 tons of cocaine, and rather than bust these guys, they switched out their cocaine with plaster of Paris. And then they packaged it up just like the cocaine was packaged up. And then they allowed these guys to continue their operation thinking they were dumping cocaine into the ocean right there off the coast of Australia. There's 2.4 tons of it. And they set back to see who was coming to get it so they could get more guys. Yeah, sounds fun, right? They say the coastline where they dumped all this off was very desirable because it's a very out-of-the-way location. And they didn't think the popo would be way up there waiting for them. Well, that's not what happened. Western Australian waters... One of the boats came in and beached itself 70 miles outside of Perth. Uh, the people who bought the uh, brought the drugs into, they believe there was another 1.2 tons sitting in a warehouse. So they just waited and watched 
and waited and watched. And sure enough, when somebody came to pull up the cocaine, which was really plaster of Paris, they got a few more suspects and now they're all in trouble and they're all going to jail. Cocaine. Yep. Remember Beretta said, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And if you're going to be slinging 2.4 tons of cocaine, you're going to be going to jail. I got to imagine they got some Aussies. They got some Mexican nationals. They got a whole bunch of people in this considering it was the operation of a Mexican drug cartel. I also got to imagine when you lost a billion dollars, a billion dollars worth of cocaine, somebody's going to get killed for this. Yeah, drug cartel's not going to play. Somebody's going down. Cocaine. There you go. All right, up next, I got to tell you about a story out of Washington, woke-ass Washington. I already told you about the woke-ass Austin, Texas story. It's shameful that Austin is in Texas because Texas is awesome. And Austin used to be an awesome town. Music festivals, awesome food, awesome people. And now it's just becoming where idiots move from California and Washington and Oregon and have destroyed it. And has now become too woke for its own good. So woke that their police are like, F you, we're out of here. And I'm going to roll with the popos on that one. It really sucks. And this story is going to piss you off too. This is going to show you how woke-ass woke they are in Washington. Got a story about some thieves caught red-handed stealing an ATM machine from downtown Tacoma. And uh, I'm going to give you one line in this story that should piss you off. I'm Stretch. I live pissed off. It's the Big 4-9. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Shout out to our friend Dirk Diggler, a.k.a. Justin freaking Barsha. He had a great night Saturday night in Indianapolis. He pushed for the win all the way up into the end. And it was one of those races where you're like, man, if there was a couple more laps, I'm pretty sure Barsha would have won that race. But shout out to Roxen for holding him off and getting the overall win. But here's what I know about Justin Barsha now. He has moved up in the championship points. There's just one point between him and number seven, Aaron Plessinger. But Barsha did himself a huge favor by getting the second place points on the podium. Saturday. Kenny Roxon is now just 11 points ahead of Barsha in fifth place, and we'll see if he can close that gap at all as we move to the midpoint of the season here. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a Stretch show. <clears throat> Getting up out of here. A weird show. I had a hybrid show today. I had an entirely brand new show with our friend Cooper Webb and a lot of new stories. And I dropped in two re recycled stories and a recycled entertainment because I ran out of time. I had to get up out of here. I apologize for that. Tomorrow, I'll give you a complete show. I'll get back to in my groove, back into my Stella, get his groove back tomorrow. That's what'll happen. Um, shout out to Moto Man for living with a demon because Kyle released it at the radio station. This is all Kyle's fault. Uh, I brought it and it fell over in Kyle's demon truck. Now Kyle's truck is named Christine. It's probably going to run us over next time we see it. Kyle's going to not even be in the truck. It's going to start up and chase us all down. Run us off the hill up at the radio ranch. I don't know. It's going to burn the radio station down. I think I saw red eyes in the mirror when I looked into Kyle's truck. It's crazy. So that that is all real. Shout out to Cooper Webb for getting the red plate. Uh, tomorrow we'll get Kenny Roxon on. Kenny Roxon was the big, big story, but Cooper Webb is my BFF, and I wanted to... Uh, get Cooper on first on the press race conference schedule. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you, man. 
I'll be back tomorrow for the Tuesday Spectacular, an entire show. I won't skip an hour. I promise you that. So until then, God bless you all, my friends, and God bless the United States of America.